P-S-N-Y. How's it going, guys? This is Bleacher Preachers Podcast, episode number 148, brought to you as always by XL Media, Elite Sports NY, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Not a cold open today because, so Alec and I were going to talk about the Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone Yankees uh, end of season presser that happened earlier today. Um, Alec, in a word, nothing's changed mm, I, no. I i i don't feel sad i don't feel that satisfied i mean it's like we were saying before we hit record brian cashman did his usual thing of taking excuses spinning them to sounding explanations and to his credit like what he said made a lot of sense but mm-hmm. at the same time it's just okay like there was nothing there of we're here's how we're going to build off of winning 99 wins here's how we're going to build off of and improve going cold in the second half Am I missing something here, or the or is the, or the Yankees just kind of driving the bus around in a circle again? Yeah, well, I'm like I feel like they're trying to act like, or I think they're trying to, or they think that Yankees fans are too dumb to notice that they're not getting answers, and you know maybe if this was four years ago, they could get away with it, but. Year after year of disappointment, like we know when you're bullshitting us, and we've been doing a lot of bullshitting lately. It, it's, you know, you you never you never or at least I never expect much when the executives or the coaches go on to the Michael K show. I mean, that's just it's an easy layup for Michael K, like in general. So you know, it's like you said yourself when he was when the criticisms were coming out about the analytics department and then he backpedaled and put the blame a little bit more on the players. I wasn't expecting like this really the the conversations with Boone and then Cashman to really reveal much. Um it's just the sorry state of the organization right now. It's it's really bad. It's really 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 bad. And I, I someone even asked him at one point today um the Oh, like, do you, how do you hold your analytics department accountable? How do you evaluate guys? And he went on this, this diatribe about this. I don't know. Like he used the term trust tree. Um, We're now joined by our guest for this episode, uh, former NJ.com Giants beat writer, my current managing editor at ESNY, James Cratch. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Josh. Glad to be back. So Alec and I were just talking about this Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone press conference that you and I both observed today. We also listened to Aaron Boone and Michael Kay uh, yesterday. Alec just mentioned the Yankees clearly think that the fans are too dumb to be listening and paying attention. I think that you and I are kind of half in agreement on that. You look like you have a lot to say about what's transpired over the past two days. Like what's on your mind with this organization, man? Yeah, I think it goes back to what I thought when I wrote um, the day after the ALCS ended. There's no hope. They're like that's what I find so mind-boggling is that put aside whether you think Aaron Boone is a good manager, or bad manager, put aside whether you think Brian Cashman's a good GM, a bad GM. There's no path forward when you look at this team like intelligently. 
Um, even if they re-sign Judge, like they're not going to spend enough money to dig themselves out of the hole they've created. They don't have the guys in the farm system. The guys that they have in the farm system, they don't seem to really want to play. So yeah. it just seems to me like that's why I find my bottom is that they, they're just going to keep doing this over and over again, running it back. And the attitude I took away was, well, if we keep repeating this at some point, the Astros will run out of gas on oh. us. And What's the definition we'll of insanity, guys? What is the, what is the definition of insanity? We talked about this literally last episode. I think we've talked about this for every week in the past like five weeks. So yeah. I'm pretty sure our listeners are a little tired of us defining it. Yeah, it's just, it was toned down. I mean, another thing too is that like, you really take a lot of the steam out when you wait, what, two weeks to do this end of season postmortem. Yeah, like nobody's like, angry anymore. No one's angry anymore. And then you even get to the point, like, obviously you have to ask the questions, but it's like, like even yesterday when he was on ESPN radio, like, yeah, we screwed up. We should have left Garrett Cole in. Like, you really can't be that. No one's going to really care two weeks after the fact. Um, I think that's one of the the tricks the Yankees have learned is they can kind of do this slow burn, whereas, like, in the NFL, there are, like, actual media rules. And, like, by the end, like, the season's over, like, you basically have to address the seat you know the rules the gm the coach whatever um baseball doesn't have that i i presume and the yankees kind of drag this out it kind of takes all the steam out of the equation it's i will give the yankees this much credit waiting this long to do the end of your presser is kind of uncharacteristic of them last year they took their time just because they were they wanted to negotiate and lock down aaron boone first but the years prior to that like 2020 2019 2018 it seemed like it was no more than maybe three to five days after the season mm. ended. So so this is just a blip on the radar, maybe. But I was saying to Alec earlier, Brian Cashman also did his usual spiel of taking excuses, spinning them into explanations, which, and God, I, I hate to admit it again, he did a good job of it. He framed the entire second, like the entire postseason as almost a glorified rehab assignment for the entire team. Like, I... Again, guys, I don't see a path forward for this team. I see, like, driving in the circle, you're going to average between 90 and 95 wins a year. But, like, again, how do you build off of it? Like, I don't know how you do it. I, I beats me. Yeah, you know, and one real quick thing is I loved his whole – well, we tried to get contact hitters. It's like yeah. you, you traded for Joey Gallo a year ago, and then you kept him on the roster much, like, much longer than he had. You kept like, playing him you. up until July. Yeah. But then it's not just that it's, you know, the guys who are the big holes in the lineup, you were giving them much longer leashes than, as you mentioned earlier, like the kids who were waiting to prove their point. You know, Josh has heard me kind of rant about give guys like Esteban Florial just an extended look because you don't quite know what you have in him yet, but like players like that. And yet Aaron Hicks, and Josh Donaldson, regardless of Donaldson's impact on the defensive side of the game, you, you're giving valuable at-bats to these guys when you essentially know what you're going to get out of them, which is nothing. Alec, so, I want to I hear your opinion on what Aaron Boone said about Josh Donaldson today. So we saw all year Josh Donaldson was not himself. Like mm-hmm. you, you've gone on and on about how he kind of talks himself into a walk, kind of checks out of the at-bat, didn't really have any have any game plan going in there. Aaron Boone says, like, oh, no, it wasn't his age that was a problem. He just, oh, like, between the lockout and getting traded to us right afterward and just having having so many moving parts, he never really had a chance to get on that hot streak. 
that doesn't sound like anything that would affect someone over the course of a season. Like, yeah, we get moving to New York is a process. Like Giancarlo Stanton, it took like when he first got traded here, I think he didn't have all of his things until mid-May. So yeah, like moving here is, is a haul. It's a grind, but it shouldn't affect someone like Josh Donaldson that badly over the course of the season. Like Boone says, Oh yeah, he could probably, we think he could come back next year at 37 years old. I no. Just no. Well, well, again, I think it's a little bit of, you know, insulting to the fans that Boone would try to, you know, convince us of something that's, that most of us know is not true. It was absolutely his age. His bat speed has slowed down. He, he thinks he can swing like he has when he was a 26, 27, 28-year-old winning MVP. And He was playing with a bad shoulder all year. We know this. Playing, yeah. I mean, like, it, it's – the way I see it, you know, there's this stubbornness from Josh Donaldson that, uh, where he refused to change his swing. And I, in some part, get it. Hitters are protective of the mechanics that they that's made them successful before in the past. You talked certain, about that for yourself last week. Absolutely. And like, you know, you, but at a certain point, you got to look at yourself in the mirror. Like Josh Donaldson has made this, all these, you know, big boisterous claims about how ground balls are bad. And he was really kind of at the forefront of the launch angle, you know, revolution. Yeah. But then you look at him this season, all he did was hit balls on the ground. He he could not catch up two pitches, that whether it was a fastball, or and then once he realized he couldn't hit the fastball, that took him out of the curveball. It's like, you know, you can't sit there and say, oh, well, he never really got comfortable. It's like, frankly, I don't care. And a lot of other fans do not care, and that's not the answer that they want to hear. Oh, he just never got comfortable. Well, you know what? He's a professional baseball player who's been in the league for 15 years, you know, he shoots himself in the foot sometimes with his mouth. You know, he, he's he should be more focused on that production on the field. And, and like that kind of that kind of explanation from Boone, it, it strikes me as a little insulting for the fans who do know a little more about the game than, you know, a casual watcher. Uh, James, let's have you weigh in on this. So, uh, Brad, I was talking with Alec about this before we hit record. Um, Brian Cashman said today he has been operating without a contract since Halloween, and he's done this before. We we know this. John Heyman, on the other hand, tweeted earlier this week how his contract isn't up until the end of the year. Now, we all know John Heyman's in is with the owners. Is it possible that considering how Hal Steinbrenner has already defended Aaron Boone, Derek Jeter has too, and he and Hal are pretty tight, is it possible that the end of the year is Cashman's deadline to extend Aaron Judge or else he's out? That's a great question. Um, if that's the case, I, I don't really know what, like, I guess I would say I tend to think no, just because I think extending Aaron Judge is not a Brian Cashman question. It's a, it's a Hal Steinbrenner question. You know, like how much are you going to write? How big is the check going to be? Now, I'm sure we'll talk about Judge a lot in a couple moments, but to me, the the big question is, there's two big questions. One, are the Yankees willing to write whatever, give whatever it takes to bring him back? But two, is he potentially, for whatever reason, want to be out of here and there's no number they could put on the table that would make him change his mind? That's And I don't, I get from the Yankees have no clue what he's thinking. Yeah. Um, but I think... I just think I just think the Yankees are weird, you know. Like I just think it's just weird. Like they don't have to worry about it because 
I thought what, what was puzzling to me was that Brian Cashman was like, well, no one's called me, but I don't think they're allowed to call me. And I'm like, well, I, I think they are. I mean, or if they you are, don't have a contract, you're, you're a free agent. Yeah, you're a free agent. So, yeah, to me, I thought that was really strange. I, I, I wonder if it was like a game of semantics even. You know, the one thing is we never, if ever, see like a coach's contract or a GM's no. contract. Maybe there's some clause in there that, like, you know, it's he technically doesn't have a contract, but it's a rollover status quo until they reinstate it. Or, but yeah, I, I thought that was a yeah. strange way to answer it. Um, and to be honest with you, like, the owner should come out and say this guy's going to be the general manager. Yeah, like Hal Steinbrenner, he's on one hand, I kind of appreciate how kind of how hands off he is, especially compared to George, just because he kind of lets the front office run itself. He he weighs in as needed. And meanwhile, you have George Steinbrenner calling down to the dugout, like torturing poor Billy Martin and Lou Pinella. But at the same time, it's almost working against him how much he's tr- he's almost going out of his way not to be George. I would totally agree. I, I think that you don't want a guy who interferes, but you the fans need to know that the owner cares mm-hmm. and that he is feeling at least some of the pain and the anger and the frustration that they are. And I feel like that's a pretty low bar for Hal Steinbrenner to clear. Maybe he doesn't want to fire someone, even though he should, but he needs yeah. to at least come out and say, you know, like his father used to do fire off a missive through your PR agency. This is not yeah. acceptable. We're going to do everything we can to change this in 2023. <laughs> and it's also just, we, we were talking about earlier process is the means by which we achieve results like you have to set a success you have to set a tried and true process and in the yankees case their process they win games in the regular season they're a very good regular season team like you can even say they're almost like the atlanta falcons of baseball in that Mm -hmm. in that regard but don lagreca said this earlier at least be be capable and aware of your own system that you can acknowledge, yeah, this process works, but there's also enough flaws in it that they should be addressed too. Like clearly, the Yankees, they're they're something's not working. No, I agree, and I thought that it's one thing if if you're the general, if you're James Click, and you have yes. that press conference, and you say, "Look, we've been to the ALCS was it six straight years? Yep. We've won the pennant three years in a row. Uh, looks like I think you know." let's say they don't take care of that. Let's say the Phillies win two in Houston. You can sure. say, look, like we, this is, this is how it is. Like it's unfortunate that we've gone to three straight world series and we only won, you know, we haven't won it. You know, we have one title, but it's working. Like we're here every year. The yeah. Yankees don't even get to the ALCS every year. So yeah. Like, and, and the times that they do get to the ALCS, it's because they either just walk right through whatever AL central opponent is thrown in front mm-hmm. of them. Or in in some cases, it's dumb luck. Like yeah. twi- 2017, down 2-0 to the to the then Indians, win three straight, and then somehow get to Game Seven against the uh, against the Astros. Like that was legit dumb luck. They became the hot the hot team at the right time. Uh, Alec, um, Alec, you look you look like you are dying to say something. Well, you know, uh, so I'm in full hockey mode right now, and I've said this before: the New York Yankees are the Toronto Maple Leafs of the MLB. So the the Maple Leafs have made the playoffs every year for pretty much like the past 10 years, but they fail to make it past the first round. 
And the, the anguish that the Toronto media and fans are going through is very similar to what Yankee media and fandom is going through, which is Toronto, after getting bounced last year in the first round again, came out and are like, we're not changing anything. And the core that we have in place is the core that we're sticking with. And what happens this year? They come out in a very rough start and everyone's talking and, and everyone's panicking in Toronto because essentially what's happening is everyone's like, oh, it's only 10 games into the NHL season. But then you have the Toronto media going, well, it's not just the 10 games. It's the year before and the year before that and the year before that. It's the same case with the Yankees. I don't like, you know, a lot of fans don't care about like, oh, you know, this is how it works for the Yankees, which is we're a dominant regular season team, but come the playoffs, we just fall a little short. It's like, well, that's not good enough because that's just year after year after year compounding on itself and creating even more frustration as like, you know, like with, with the Astros. Yeah. They've won a world series. They've gotten into like, they've gotten deep enough into the playoffs where you, they can actually shrug their shoulders and say, you know, what? it's a bit of a crapshoot, right? The Washington Nationals. Series. Yeah, you know, it was a bit of a crapshoot. Washington Nationals got hot at the right time, right? Definitely yeah. a crapshoot with the Dodgers, you know, like when they won. So, like, the Rays and Astros series, like, whatever. And then the last two years, you know, when you're going into game six and seven of the World Series, that's when you can kind of be like, all right, now it's up to the gods, right? Just go out yeah. there and play whatever happens, happens. Dropping the first two in an ALDS and then having to win three straight like in 2017 or just getting absolutely swept out in the ALCS, like that's not really the same thing. That's just you got outclassed. It, yeah, because Alec, Alec, you and I have were talking earlier this season where it's like, I don't care if a team wins or loses. I want the effort to be there. Like if the Yankees got swept in, in the ALCS this year, but every game was like, 2-1, 1-0, 3-2. Okay, we went out there, gave it our all. Their pitching was better. That That's the only way that you can that you can do it. But gutless, lifeless. It was it was like let, letting a balloon just pop and then just fly all over the room. Like, James, you, you've mentioned you've been in the building before for media events. Like, Is this a baseball team or a corporate office or some weird incarnation of both? It's a weird incarnation of both. And I, I think like, the Yankees get all preferential, almost deferential treatment in this market. Uh, they get white glove treatment, I think, more than any other team. You know, yeah. like even if the if the Giants, who get pretty cozy coverage for what they have been, you know, and you're seeing now that it's like you know, they're now that they're winning, everyone's over the top. Um, they just they don't get pressed, especially. I, in the days after the the end of the ALCS, I mean the, the the mental gymnastics, the pretzels people were twisting themselves into to say the Yankees have to make changes but not fire the general manager boggled my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the defense mechanism that kicks in for Cashman. You know, and, and I think that today, and he got some pushback, but like to talk about IKF and just say oh things my that aren't true. Straight you know, as you mentioned, Donald, Donaldson. He got old. It happens, you know, like, especially in baseball, guys wake up, you know, one day and they, they can't do it anymore. You know, unfortunately, he, you know, he's going to show up to spring training. He's got, you know, millions of dollars coming his way, but it happens. And like, maybe you can't come out and say, oh, he just got old, but like, don't sell this idea that it's all going to be fixed like that. No, I, I think that's the biggest frustration, right? It's, you know, 
we Yankee fans can take the truth. So stop trying to bullshit us. It, you know, it's just tell us straight as is. IKF wasn't good. Donaldson wasn't good enough. Like, are speaking you, like, of the speaking of the truth? I mean, Brian Cashman needing a reminder as to what three true outcomes meant today. To me, that that the proof is in the pudding. That as well. That that might as well be an admission that. Yeah, like I understand the concept of analytics. I just don't know anything about actually applying them. Yeah. I, I pay people to do that. That was a weird moment. Like, part of me was like, is he was he trying to make a joke? Was he trying to be? But then, like, he doesn't really seem like a guy. He doesn't make a lot of jokes up there. No, you know? he's a Steph. Um, no, I, I thought what he said about analytics to an extent is like true. And I, I, you know, I covered the NFL. It's like analytics. It's data. It's information. Correct. You can have all the information in the world. You got to do something with it. And there yeah. are teams who take it and apply it and they do something with it. And then I think that I get the feeling the Yankees, one of these teams that they just got a bunch of spreadsheets and lists and they, they try to apply it, but they aren't necessarily applying it in a way that's effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like we said earlier. Yeah. You have your process, but your methodology and philosophy behind that process is flawed precisely all right here's a question for the two of you who's who should play shortstop next season oh uh i mean i i why not give it to or not give it but have peraza prove his worth or cabrera or volpe like who knows you know i i kind of backtracking a little bit real quickly to like you know the conversation we're what's going to happen with judge going the off season, you know, the fate of judge is pretty much the fate of the Yankees. In my opinion, it's if they lose judge, I think that's a good enough reason that anything to really just kind of, I don't want to say blow it up, but you know, tr- really go with some drastic changes. We know the product that's been put out there for the last few years has not worked. The only constant, at least in the regular season has been judge. And if you lose that, you don't quite know what you have in that lineup, so why not go to those kids? I like I would love to see Cabrera, Volpe, and Peraza in the lineup every day if you know if Volpe's ready for the majors. Um, but yeah, in my opinion, Peraza gets the starting job out of out of the gate and it's his to lose. I'd agree with that. I think you know Obviously, you're committed to Josh. Like, who knows? Maybe IKF can bounce back if he's a third again next year. Who knows? You know, like, maybe he can do that. Maybe that's your landing spot with him. But no, I I, I would agree. I'd go to Peraza, and you know, look, I, I was I took the dog to my wife and I bark in the park. Summer said Patriots. I think I talked about this last time I was on the podcast. Yeah, you just kind of watch Volpe, and you're like, okay, like he's different from all mm-hmm. these guys. There's just a presence about him uh, that he's. You know, there's a long way to go, but like it just seems like he's going to be special. So I can understand not wanting to rush him to opening day. Um, but I definitely think you start with Peraza and, you know, Alex Wright. I mean, if they don't re sign Judge short of trading for Otani, I don't really think there's a, a, a plan B move they can make. I can so think of well one. Go to the kids. All right. I want to hear it. Michael Conforto. One year no, deal? I, meant in ter- I mean, I'm, I'm fine with Conforto. I meant in terms of, like, we just lost Aaron Judge. This is a devastating event. We've got to do something to change the narrative. There, oh. That move doesn't exist. Oh, so no, at that it point, doesn't. Your, no. your best move to change the narrative is 
probably going to be calling up Anthony Volpe for opening day and playing the kids and trying yeah. to get some pitching and see what happens. Speaking of pitching, there's they obviously this is something that is I think a deal is going to get done. It would be foolish to not get a deal done. Apparently Matt Blake's contract is up. Now, Matt Blake has completely revamped his pitching staff, turned them into a top 10 staff in less than three years on the job. Clear upgrade over uh, his predecessor, Larry Rothschild. Who, are the Yankees in danger of losing him? I sure hope not. I, I hope not either, but, you know, there could be a very aggressive team that comes in. It's like, hey, blank check, there you go. Come do what you did to our pitching staff. Um, there, there's no managing vacancies. There's no pitching coach vacancies that I'm aware of. Yeah, I mean, what's the other option? He goes back to college. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, the good news for the Yankees is that if Matt Blake does, God forbid, walk, it, you could just promote Mike Harkey, and then, and then just like kind of hope for the best because like he's not a bad coach by any stretch. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. like. Uh, I've I've grown an emotional attachment to Matt Blake just because of the wonders he's worked. Um, he's so good. Yeah, yeah. The the one thing the Yankees have going for them is that, Lee, I I was reporting how they, like the Mets were finalizing extending Jeremy Hefner because like we talk about Steve Cohen all the time. Like pitching, that's the one place where like Steve Cohen's checkbook can make a difference, and that doesn't count towards the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve Cohen can come flying and be like, hey, you want to make $3 million a year to be my pitching coach? You know, I'll, oh, yeah. that's more than Buck makes. We'll just we'll give Buck that plus a buck, dollar, you know, like that's <laughs> the thing. No, like that that's the one area. And I'm sure we'll get to the that later with the judge talk where like a team like the Mets can really make a splash. Yeah. And it doesn't really impact. It's on the margins. Uh, let's. uh Let's shift to judge right now, actually. Um, gentlemen, uh, we'll, uh, Alec, we'll, we'll hear from you first on this one, actually. You're Aaron Judge right now. You're on the cusp of free agency. You and your wife are looking to settle down. Yankees are going to offer you a lot of money. So are other teams. Where's your head at? Ooh, that's tough. Um, uh, l- l- let me rephrase. Right now with Aaron Judge, are you more or less motivated to sign with the Yankees? As of this moment right now. I personally feel like I might be a little less motivated. If I'm Aaron Judge right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think I think the the option to maybe get closer to home in California is gonna be a little enticing. Um playing in San Francisco for the team that you grew up watching and, you know, on the team that your favorite player was on. I think that would be a really cool thing to explore. And then just overall, you know, like going somewhere different. I've always like, yeah, I, I've had a feeling that judge was going to walk. I, everything that I've seen from him doesn't make me believe or has me confident that he is willing to come back as a favor. It's, he knows what he's worth. He's worked hard to, to get that value. He deserves every penny he's going to get paid for. And now he's going to play that market. And if I'm him, I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not cutting the Yankees any favors. It's like, you're part of every other team. That if you want my services, prove the loyalty you have towards me as I've proven towards the team. 
James, what about you? I think if, if it's just like he wants to be comfortable and he wants money, I'd say it's probably a coin toss between Yankees and obviously the Giants. Um, if he really cares about winning championships, and I'm Aaron Judge, I want the Dodgers or the Padres to <laughs> offer me like a two-year, $120 million contract. Uh, and we're just going to make a quick sprint, try to win a title or two, and now I'm going to hit the market again at 33, 34. That's uh, that's interesting because I, I personally don't think Judge wants a short term deal. I think that if he's turning down seven years and like clo- and close to like just a shade over thirty million a year, he's like, no, no, I'm going to bet on myself. I want more. I think that if he does go the short term route, I think that he's more likely to do that with the Yankees at this point, mm-hmm. just because the core is there. Like they the team is. I can't believe I'm saying this. Based on the construction of the roster right now, regardless of how Donaldson or IKF perform, the team's in a good position to potentially win 90-ish games. So a, a two-year deal makes sense for that. Like, James, we I just wrote a piece about the Rangers as a possibility. They've got the ballpark where he can hit and put up 60 home runs. Yeah. The Giants, not so much, because that take, you take away his opposite field power with that ballpark. The Dodgers, I just... I see them having the money. I don't necessarily see them spending the money. I would agree with that. I so I mentioned like I think the Padres are fascinating just because yes. they've got Tatis, they've got Soto for two more years. They could make like an all-out sprint, and if it doesn't work, they just trade everybody off in 2024. Yeah, and they rebuild that way. Uh, uh, the, the other, like, a sleeper team is, like, if there's any truth to these reports that Judge was, like, angry about the booing and the way Hicks and, you know, all that stuff, the Cardinals, they, everyone loves to play in St. Louis. They were in on Soto. Now, I know there's a big difference between Juan Soto is 24, Aaron Judge is going to be 31. If you're going to, tr- if you want to trade for Soto, you were planning to sign Soto. So they clearly yes. have the money. Could the Cardinals sneak in and Aaron Judge can just go where everyone's going to tell him how wonderful he is, if that's what he wants, and make money and be a part of an organization that is going to win? That actually makes sense because like, if, if you think about the history of the Cardinals <clears throat> over the past, we'll say, 20 years, like going back to like when Tony La Russa was still the manager, that's kind of always been how they structured their payroll. They've always had two, maybe three really big contracts at the top. In this case, it would be Judge, Paul Goldschmidt, and now whatever's left on Nolan Arenado's deal. Yeah. And then they always, they'd always they have that young pitch into kind of always coming up through the system. Like It's like they're the San Antonio Spurs of baseball. <laughs> They've got that depth so that they can always kind of be in the picture. Well, yeah, I mean, I, go ahead. Uh, sorry, sorry. sorry to uh, cut it off, but like I, I wanted to go with a little um, a fantasy scenario here. Ooh, okay, yeah, fantasy um, booking. Let's do it. So what if, I, I don't know how the logistics will work with this team, but what if the Atlanta Braves come knocking? They've mm. saved a lot of money locking up their young talent. Who's to say that they may, might come knocking and be like, here's that shorter term contract, higher a you know, annual value. Come to Atlanta, let's get another ring. An outfield of Michael Harris, Ronald Acuna Jr., Jr. and Aaron Judge. 
I don't know. I, I, I like no. a team like that. I think could definitely. So, so wait, wait, wait. Would you, would you, would you bump Acuna over to left or? I would probably put Acuna in center, or Judge yeah. in center. Isn't Harris in center right now? Move him to left. Okay. I mean, like it's. I will say this much: if Judge were to go to the Braves or or the Padres, I wouldn't. I'd be bummed about it. I wouldn't necessarily be mad at him about it. No, and I wouldn't be mad at him in San, in San Francisco either, because I also think he'd look good in that uniform. But uh, he would look good in that uniform. I would I would be mad about him going there just because for baseball reasons that move makes zero sense to me. Oh yeah, well, San Francisco's not built to win right now, even if they yeah. do add Judge. Well, they won 107 games last year. Oh please, <laughs> you know, they overachieved, yeah. and you know it. My thing is, if if he wants to go to San Francisco, if he just wants to go home, I can respect that. Yeah, but that's yeah, that angle like I can respect. Should be done pretty quickly, like you know, World Series ends Saturday or Sunday. Five days later, like that's when Aaron Judge puts on Instagram, like "Thanks for everything, New York." Like if he if he wants to be with the Giants, and that's where he wants to be, then he should be signed by the end of next week. Like, well, don't even screw around. Uh, Just do it. Slow your roll because right after the World Series, remember there is that two week uh, exclusive negotiating window. I, I, I'm maybe a change. I, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you, you probably know more that I thought it was a situation where you can talk to everyone the minute the last out is recorded, and then five days later, he maybe it is, but anyway, w- the earliest he can sign with another team, if he wants to be with the Giants, he should just get it done, get it done yeah. before Thanksgiving, move on. Um, the only the last sleeper, and I think they're kind of out of it because it's, it seems like it's slowed down, is. Obviously, he wouldn't take the team. If, if the Nationals get sold, right. and Ted Leonsis is, is the owner, is going to be the new owner, and he's got a relationship with the Lerner family, I could see them, him basically telling Mike Rizzo, like, I'm good for the money. Go after a judge. Hmm. That said, I get a feeling that's going to slow down because with the Washington Commanders, if I'm Ted Leonsis, if I think the football team is going to be on the market all of a sudden, Maybe yeah. I'm not as interested in the baseball team. Right. Exactly. Uh, not to mention just for like, like another big reason I did. I didn't mention this in my piece. Another big reason the Texas Rangers might be attractive is that I'm pretty like, uh, James, you might, you might have uh, learned this from following the giants and being in Dallas a bunch. I'm pretty sure Texas doesn't have a state income tax, no state income tax. Yeah. So that's another incentive for him to go, to go to Texas. Like God forbid the Astros get involved. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but that alone, I think knocks out um, the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. Cause I, I have a buddy there who has a very nice condo and all I hear are complaints about the property taxes. Yeah. <laughs> they're no, but they're no better yeah. up here in New York and New Jersey. No, <laughs> I just, I've always said when you get these deals, like I would say, the Rattle on the Red Side, like the Northeast powers baseball cities, you always have to at least consider them. You yeah. felt like, the, the, I don't think the Phillies, like the Phillies, you know, like again, if it's a short term situation, hey, Aaron, you want to come join the party here? Like, why the hell not? Yeah. Yeah. That, to me, long-term. like the biggest, the biggest difference maker in this whole thing, and I agree that he wants a long term deal, is if someone basically said, we're going to offer you $60 million a year for three years. And if I'm Aaron Judge, it's like, okay, do I take a seven-year, $300 million contract, or do I get 180 in three years and have enough confidence in myself that I'm going to hit the market again? 
Yeah. I mean, like, I I predicted him to get nine years, 329. I think when push comes to shove with Judge, it's going to be sort of like that Garrett Cole bit where, look, add the extra year and we'll we'll drop the overall money a little bit. And Judge is, I don't want to say he's the Garrett Cole of hitting, but he's in the same league of in terms of greatness as a player at this point that, like, I don't, I don't say no to that. You bite the bullet, give him nine years. Agree with that. You got to give him what, whatever he's. If you're the Yankees, you got to give him what it's going to yeah. take. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I have conflicted feelings to whatever this extension could be, um, just because you know, as I said before, he will be absolutely worth every penny, and he has he deserves every penny that he's going to earn. Um, but it's like, is this team, or at least the Yankees, financially structured enough to where they can take the hit in the later years, you know? And, that, yeah. you know, that remains to be seen, but that's always my hesitation because, you know, he's, he's on the wrong side of 30 now. And those last few years are probably going to hurt just because, like, a player of that size, his body will probably break down yeah. uh, pretty rapidly. But, you know, again – the first three or four years of that contract can pay itself if everything goes correctly. 100%. And, excuse me. And not to mention the Yankees, if you look at their current payroll structure, active payroll going into next year, pre-arbitration, it's still South of the luxury tax threshold because because Yankees payroll estimated active payroll next year, it's at or about 200 million. The limit next year is 233 million. So there's plenty of wiggle room there. Not to mention Aaron Hicks is all but certainly going to be gone. Gleyber Torres, he's probably gone too. And the infield, it's a wide open picture. Even DJ LeMay, who has a limited no trade clause. So you can't rule out him being dealt. There's room for the Yankees to clear some money. It's just yeah. a matter of if and how. For sure. I mean, it would be a completely different conversation if they hadn't given out those extensions in the first place, especially towards Hicks. Yeah, um, that 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 in hindsight, that and the and the Donaldson trade are probably Cashman's two biggest mistakes that we can pin solely on him. Like Jarrett Wright, Carl Pavano, that's all George is doing. Like we we all know that hundred percent. Oh God, Jarrett Wright! Oh God, what a disaster that was. Why'd you have me remember him? Uh. James, you've got very you wrote a very good piece on this, and I just want to hear hear you give the rant in person, and not even a rant, just like your thoughts on it. The booing. <laughs> what are we really surprised about this? I certainly am not. No, and as I wrote, like on one hand, if it's just that these guys are upset they're getting booed, I mean, it's it's New York City, you know. Yeah, they, they they booed Dimaggio, they booed Mansell, they booed Chidu, they can boo you too. On the yeah. other hand, that to me felt like a, and maybe this is this idea theory is kind of damaged by the fact that Boone kind of said he thought it was overblown on the radio the other day. That to me felt like a preemptive excuse for when they don't resign Judge or they can't resign or they don't want to spend for free agents. Like, well, they hate it here because of the fans. Like, yeah. Or, I, or I at least, or spin it like, uh, Aaron wasn't, wasn't really into staying in New York. Wasn't really into staying in New York. And look, yeah, I get it. Like there are some guys who just aren't equipped for New York. I mean, you know, Joey Gallo was clearly one of them. Sonny Gray was one of them. Maybe you want to go back sad. even further. Esteban Loiza. Exactly. 
that said, you know, yeah, there's always going to be a small group, too big of a group, but still a small group of jackasses who cross the line. Yeah. I really don't think, for the most part, people cross the line. You know, and they, yeah, they boo because they're frustrated. The Yankees have won, been to the World Series in 13 years, you know? And it's not only that they haven't been to the World Series, it's the, the way in which they've done it is so infuriating, you know? Yeah. Like we, Car- we said. Stanton. Oh, yeah. I guess we got to like shorten up our swings and make content. Like, you think? Like, ever since 2004, we said this on our last episode. Ever since 2004, it has been par for the course for the Yankees, except for 2009. You make the playoffs and the bats go cold. Exactly. No reason why it it just happens. Like you you get to the playoffs, the bats might have a few good games, but on the whole, they fall asleep. They no, they don't go anywhere. No, I will say this. I feel like those like oh five. I think oh five was like, in my opinion, like the least enjoyable, likable Yankees team. Oh god, it was terrible. Like these guys yeah. were not like that. Yeah. But yeah, I I just think to me that felt like a pre some you know some whining from guys who again pretty well taken care of it. You know, they can love these guys up as much as they can. Like they can't make this a bubble. Like it's still New York City, and if you don't like it here, that's great. Go to Kansas City where no one cares. That said, uh, nothing against the fine people of Kansas City. It did to me. It felt like it was a preemptive spin. They're like, oh, you know, well, because I there's really a part of me that thinks that they're not going to resign Judge, or even if they resign Judge, that's all they're going to do. And yeah. because they're going to be pinching the pennies and mining about the luxury tax. Um, and this was their excuse. Well, we 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 would have spent the money, but no one wanted to take it because they think the fans are toxic. That uh, it. In which case, if like if that's what if I'm Hal Steinbrenner and that's what your front office is putting out at that point, I'm like, okay, sir, you know what? It's New York City. Even with me hiding down here in Ocala, Florida, like I do half the year, I got under. I even I can understand. Like, okay, New York is great. It's intense, but this is like it. it it's about being a Yankee. Like that's what being a Yankee is all about. Is just like the thrill and the adrenaline rush of that city. I just I, I don't understand like I just don't understand how like the Yankees as an organization you know as they're crafting up these these ridiculous excuses and pointing the finger in other directions how they're not just watching the World Series right now and looking at the city of Philadelphia and being like we miss that like here here in Philly as a Yankee fan I can't remember having this much fun during a postseason run like the city is electric people are going crazy even even last night i was out at a beer house watching the um the game and the whole place was electric they were zeroed in on every single pitch and like you know i i was there when the phillies blew a seven nothing lead in the ninth inning to the mets in june and it was like the final days of Joe Girardi's tenure as a manager. And I was there when, when the fans were raining booze on them and they were giving up on the season. And now I'm here watching these fans go absolutely insane. And just like, as a Yankee fan, I missed that. I, I hope the Yankees organization and Cashman and company are watching that. And are just like, that used to be us, that, 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 that fever pitch, the, the way that the city would just be zeroed in on the, the state of the New York Yankees. Like, 
they got to get back to that. And I, I don't understand how that's lost on them. I've got my own theory on that because I, I remember the run, to, the run up to the 2009 World Series pretty, pretty well. And I remember even during the playoffs, like people were saying, were saying to me all the time, just like, just keep in mind, my whole family's Mets fans. And they're like, no, nah, Yankees are winning the World Series. Like, it's, it's happening. No, Yankees are going to win the World Series. It's fine. It's fine. I just remember, like, myself, my fellow fans from the the Angels series. And the, like, I don't even remember who the Yankees played in the division series that year. Was it the Twins? Yeah, it was the Twins. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're right. It, there was it, a, that was, a, it was like 2009. I was my sophomore year in college. That was a great postseason. I think we had, like, a 163 game with the – Twins and the White Sox or something. Uh, Tigers, Tigers, Tigers. Yeah. Uh, Chip Carey, <laughs> line drive base hit. He's out. Call. Hunt. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But like I, even the the ALCS against the Angels, I remember like they lost like Game Five to the Angels, and people were blowing up WFAN saying that they should have brought Mariano in in the seventh inning, and Francesca yeah. screaming at people like, "Well, yeah, that, that's and, like it, I, that's it was, just it because like great I, baseball." Alec is talking about Philadelphia having so much fun with the Phillies just being in the World Series. I remember the Yankees had that big run up to 2009. I don't think anybody actually enjoyed it until the final out and the parade was official. Like there was yeah. just, there's like this lingering PTSD over the fan base because of 2004. Like, at, like there's this great fear of just blowing a game and, and, and it's 2004, 2003 against the Marlins. 2001 against the Diamondbacks. There's just this like so much failure in that short amount of time ruined what was already a very spoiled group of fans. And now it's like, even when the team's winning, nobody enjoys it. The Yankees, the Yankees are the only team that can win 10 games in a row. You could go on Yankees Twitter. You'll have people yelling at Boone to be fired. (laughs) It's true. They play 162 one game seasons. That's just what they do. And that's part of the fun. Like, and I, I get that probably wears on people, but no, you're right. It, it there definitely is a scar from 04. I don't even argue this kind of a scar from. I mean, I've always, I think I said it. I've always said this. Like, if the Red Sox had won Game Seven of the 2003 ALCS, they would have swept the Marlins in the World Series by a combined score of like 46 to three. Oh, easily. You know? <laughs> the the Yankees were just spent. Like they, they were they old. Were, yeah, they were old. They were spent. They were gassed. Uh, the Marlins got lucky. That's you know that and Jeff Weaver and David Wells is back. That's why the Marlins won a second world title. But yeah, I I will I will die on the hill that the Jeff Weaver trade cost the Yankees a World Series. Man, there's so many bad moves, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Like it's just they need to get back to that fever pitch. And I really thought that if the Mets had not you know spit the bit in the wild card round we were gonna get to that point i think potentially that would have felt like that in the, in the in the region again so alec what do we say about the mets it's just the mets just, just the mets, the mets. just the mets um, <laughs> love the captain by the way i like I, I just i'm sure the mets the mets are not going to sign judge because it doesn't actually make sense to them this idea that they're gonna like stay away because steve cohen like wants to like do a solid for Hal. like no this is a this is a captain of industry. He does not care about Hal Steinbrenner's feelings or how this would be bad for Hal on WFAN. Speaking of the speaking Aaron of the Judge, Mets, he's going to get Aaron Judge. 
Speaking of the Mets, I just want to talk about this one completely idiotic take I saw from Heyman in where he was, he was like giving like, I think it was his top 30 free agents. He was predicting the teams that would be in the mix and in the end, how much money this one player would get. He thinks Aaron, I'm sorry, Brandon Nimmo is going to get seven years, 145 million from a team. I guess Brandon Nimmo's agent wanted him to write that. That's my guess. Yeah, it's. I, I, I wouldn't give Brandon Nimmo more than my ceiling for Brandon Nimmo in terms of money, maybe seventeen million a year. Yeah, if you're the Mets, you probably will pay, be okay with overpaying a little bit. Right. But yeah, that's that's a lot. If I'm the Mets, my top priority is obviously Diaz. Oh course. yeah. And I I don't know if Degrom like if I if I was Steve Cohen, my goal would be to come out of my offseason where I re-sign Diaz, I re-sign Degrom. I'm going after Verlander, and I want Scherzer. I mean Scherzer, Degrom, Verlander, roll it out there next year. Yeah, okay. Ver, Verlander is about to get paid. It's it's. I would the... say the Yankees should go after him, but we all know that won't happen. Uh, they might. I mean, they'll probably check in on him like they did last offseason. Didn't he swear he was never going to pitch for the Yankees? I thought there was something like a few years back, but like when he left Detroit, I thought he said, No, I I think you're confusing that because he left Detroit right around the time when I think the the story about Cliff Lee's wife getting reamed out by the fans. Oh, yeah, yeah, but no, I think that. Verlander, the Yankees will absolutely check in on him. They've got a hole in the number five spot, so like you could give that, you could give that to Clark Schmidt. You could, you could re-sign Jamison Tyone. You've got Davey Garcia. You've got so many options within, but it, it's also Justin freaking Verlander. Yeah. If they had, if they were not, if they didn't cheap out in 2017, the Yankees would have won the World Series. Not bad trash gonna... cans. Justin Verlander. I'm not going to – I get that, but at the same time, we also – Verlander was a shell of himself when that trade happened, and we had no it idea was. that the Astros were going to completely revive him. No, that that is fair. Like, it's a little bit of ticky-tack in hindsight, but the Yankees probably should have made the deal happen. It's Yeah, it's, it's not so much like, okay, like it didn't make sense to make the deal at the time. It's that, again, the front office, like it has been ever since Brian Cashman has had full control – is never willing to go that extra mile except no. for a Garrett Cole or and Giancarlo Stan. We got him just because he, he literally fell into our laps. Yes, I got, but like you watch Bryce Harper and you're like, mm, you know, Brian, you <clears throat> probably didn't. Yeah, that choose. one hurt. Yeah, it's uh... God, Bryce Harper's swinging Yankee Stadium. Can you imagine? But Joey Gallo, though, like they, they went all that, in the swing for him. But no, that entire NLCS was painful. I mean, because. Machado, Soto, Harper. Three guys. The Yankees Machado's the one that stings me the most. I really wanted Manny Machado to come in and play shortstop or third base. So, yeah. The one uh, good thing is I do – they'll get one more – they'll get another shot at Soto. I, I have a very oh, hard yeah. time believing that he's going to re-sign with the San Diego Padres. Yeah, because I, I think that – because, Alec, I know you're very high on this guy, and rightfully so, because I'm very, I'm very high on him too – I think that two years from now, we're going to have a much clearer idea of what we're actually going to get out of Jason Dominguez. Yeah. And so then by that point, you'll be like, okay, do we go with this guy who we signed? We've had him since he was 16 years old. He's called the Martian because his talent's out of this world. Do we roll with him 
or do we try and dump him off and go after the white whale, get Juan Soto? Because, because to me, that that's my that you might as well have King Griffey Jr. on the Yankees if you have Juan Soto. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm starting to lean towards that Jason Domingo is going to be the real deal, but still got. A yeah, lot of time. I mean, yeah, I mean, if he, if he if he cuts down the strikeouts this year, the sky's the limit. He's still what twenty years old? Not even. I think he's. I think he's. He's still nineteen. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you said on a previous episode, he's 19 uh, going up against 23, 24-year-olds. Yeah. He's an underager who, let's see, what, he's, he had 266 in single A, 306 at advanced day. So, yeah, so, yeah, so he, so he, he never got the Somerset this year? I think he did at the end. Yeah, the tail end uh, yes, of the he Somerset. Did. Five games, 22 at-bats. Uh, we're going to close on a positive note. Uh, James, you mentioned seeing Anthony Volpe with your wife and dog at Bark at the Park. He's different. Like you said, you said this on your first time on the show. Just describe for us the the vision that is Anthony Volpe, like as a player. I, I hesitate to say this, but like it was very Jeterian the way yeah. he kind of moved around the diamond. Um, I think it's. I think a really good thing for him is. Somerset is so close to where he grew up, so close to where he went to school at Del Barton. Yeah. He has basically been a miniature crucible for most of that year. Like there were kids in Volpe Patriots t-shirt, you know, jerseys at these games. Most minor leaguers, even the best, like don't get that feel necessarily until they get to the big leagues. Look, yeah. I'm not Bridgewater, New Jersey is not New York, New York City, but I definitely think he was he he performed with a level of pressure that is not the same as what he'll experience in the big leagues, but it is at least somewhat comparable. And I think that that has to really excite Yankee fans. I mean, there's definitely a certain small handful of players like Anthony Rizzo, like DiMaggio, like Mickey Mantle, who you see them move on the Yankee stadium field. You see them wear the pinstripes and you go, yeah, this guy was born to be a Yankee. With Anthony Volpe, growing up across the river in Jersey, grows up a Yankees fan, goes to Del Barton, a literal baseball factory. Yes. And I, I don't know. I mean, you, you said it yourself. There's something very vegetarian about it. I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, yeah. but all, all signs are pointing there, it looks. Real quick, as you mentioned him, they've got to re-sign Rizzo. Yeah, they do. There was only two guys who deserved to wear the uniform in the ALCS, Rizzo and Harrison Bader. Obviously, Bader's back under control. They have to bring Rizzo back. I have a feeling that Rizzo is going to come back because I've been saying for a while, he even said when he was on, I think, John Boy's podcast last offseason, he and his wife love living in New York. They had Their apartment, I think, is right by Central Park. They love the view they have. I don't think he's so much going to opt out. It's going to be more like a CeCe Sabathia thing where it's like, hey, instead of an opt-out, can we just tack on yeah. uh, two, three more years and just up the AAV a little bit? And they should do that. Of course. The, the crazy thing is, if, if Judge were to leave, Anthony Rizzo, would, if he comes back, I would argue is the face of the 2023 Yankees. Like, he will be yeah. Yeah. the mo- the Very biggest. True. You know, but Stanton is just – Stanton's sort of like A-Rod. Like, no Giancarlo one's going to warm up to him. Um, it's still kind of like – he's almost like an alien that got dropped on the Yankees. He's just – but – Rizzo will will be the fan favorite. 
Yeah, I mean, I I was in the building for his three home run game. Like you, like the Rizzo, Rizzo. Those chants were deafening as it is, and then, then he he throws he throws up three home runs. They got to re-sign him. They, I think they should re-sign Jamison Tyone just because I think he's a great add to that staff, especially if Garrett Cole's the ace. Plus, Clark Schmidt, he should be a reliever. We like we all see it. He's not a starter. Anyway. So that is the latest Bleacher Creatures uh, episode of the Bleacher Creatures podcast. Uh, James, thanks for coming on the show. Anytime, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we will be back next week, and then we'll probably you'll probably see us for the next two weeks. We'll probably take Thanksgiving off, and then you'll you'll see us when we have something to report from the winter meetings and the owners' meetings. It's we'll be here throughout the off season. Hopefully, we got some good news to report. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Josh B E S N Y. You can find Alec at Alec underscore Monte Calvo. Uh, James, what is your? You're just at James Cratch, right? At James Cratch, short and simple. Great. Got a blue check mark for now. All right, I'll yeah. This is about next time. Next podcast, I'll probably have lost it. Uh, we'll have to devote a whole episode to the hellscape that is being on baseball Twitter. All right, <laughs> thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. <laughs>